0: this podcast is of licensed mental health professionals linking pop culture to psychology. The information presented in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and should not be used in place of mental health treatment or other services. All our opinions are our own. Hey, welcome to Therapy for Nerds. My name is Cassidy Russell and I am here with Abby Ronquillo and Katie Bussy and today we are talking about conventions i personally have gone to several conventions starting from the age of around 16 when i went to anime expo yes i was that kind of high schooler <laughs> back in my day it was at long beach which was a lot smaller than it is now or at least it was when it was still you know being held but Anyways, so conventions are a great way to interact with fellow people that have a lot of the same interest as you do, whether it be anime or comic books or just anything nerdy. Like, uh, I know WonderCon is one of my favorites, and it has not just comic books, but it also has a lot of just pop culture stuff. I know I saw like a premiere episode of Doctor Who at one of my first WonderCon conventions, and I personally really miss going to conventions.
1: Yeah, uh, like uh, a lot of other in-person things, the pandemic has really impacted the industry of um, conventions. I think as we were talking about earlier, kind of off uh, off record, it's it seems like the, the convention world, specifically these types of conventions that we're talking about um, that deal with pop culture and, and nerd type things are a really important or an integral part of yeah. um, this subgroup of people, the society, I don't know what to call them. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, a lot of the interactions just generally and, and most commonly are done online or not face-to-face so I can even recall some of my personal experiences going to conventions when I was much younger that was the only safe place where my parents were like okay well you want to meet an online friend like go meet them at like this type of place or like at a large event where you know nothing potentially I mean potentially something could happen to you but my parents didn't think anything (laughs) could happen to me.
0: Yeah that's a very common thing of like when you know, my clients would talk about going to conventions. That was a common thing was, yeah, I'm going to go to a convention and I'm going to be able to meet my friend so-and-so for the first time in person. that, That was a big thing was being able to connect with all these people and having like cosplay groups that you would get together and go with. And there was a large community of people that would make a large portion of their money through selling their their art or something at conventions, which has been lost during this time period, which is sad and hard to see.
2: Yeah, and I, It's interesting
0: because I think a lot of this speaks to the
2: pieces of our lives we didn't really think about and the role that they served. And like, it sounds like when we talk about conventions, we're talking about connections really we're talking about that the opportunity to have a, a common interest and bond together and have the shared experience and then even things that like you know like I, I probably wouldn't have thought about like the idea of this is where a lot of people made their livings like this was a, a really integral part of their their lives more than just the social connection I'm, I'm sure that was part of it too but I I think there's such a multifaceted piece to these these uh, conventions or you know for different people.
0: Yeah. I know a lot of a lot of the people that made art for conventions also have Etsy accounts. So go support local artists, go on Redbubble and Etsy guys. <laughs>
1: yeah, definitely. Um, I have a lot of friends who do conventions for their art and things. And of course like when you use any platform like Etsy or Redbubble, there's some type of overhead that you have to you you know you get charged for and I think a lot of, as a consumer, anyways, going to a convention, a big, like, appeal to it is kind of like that whole. I don't know. Is there like a, a term for it, a psychological term of like just being in the moment and being like, yeah, let me buy this, let me do this because you know this is the experience. Like yeah. I, t- I, tend to uh, overspend. You know, I tell myself this is the budget, but I ended up all the time overspending on things like that because you just get caught up in the feelings of. Euphoria, I
0: guess. Well, there's this like, when you when you're in that space, you're in this space of like, okay, I am here for a purpose, and sometimes part of that purpose is to spend money. Um, like when I'm at a convention, one of the things that I like to do is look for art or plushies. I'm I got this little Pokeball at because it's a little crocheted keychain Pokeball. I got it at a convention. I don't remember which one, but it, it's just like I liked supporting artists, and I like I was there with the intent of spending money. I would I would also have a budget. Definitely went over several times. Although the food would also like get me because food was expensive at convention. <laughs> but and then there's definitely that social aspect. Although I did find myself. At some points, getting really overwhelmed, especially at some of the bigger conventions. Because I would do a mix of like really small conventions like Long Beach Comic Con, or, uh, and then I would do big conventions like Anime Expo, which I have since stopped going to because it's just gotten to be way too packed in recent years. Um, But there, it was definitely one of those things where I would have to like step to the side. And like, do some deep breathing exercises to help ground myself because it was just, there's just too many people.
1: Yeah. And um, I think with a lot of those conventions, the nice thing about it is usually there are places where you can kind of um, desensitize yourself if you need to, even though it is usually very like, oh, in your face, like this, 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 all these things. Um, typically, there would be a place where you could kind of pull away. I know specifically, like at Anime Expo, they had like extra rooms or specific types of rooms where you could. Sit down and watch anime or you can sit and just like sit on the floor um which i i didn't even think of actually now that you're bringing that up is like how overwhelming conventions were yeah regardless of how small they were or how big they were they're always very overwhelming and overstimulating
0: and i feel like it was that way before the pandemic and as we're getting back into seeing people in person again, like when we get to that point eventually, I don't know when that will happen, but I I don't see us forever not doing conventions just because it's such an integral part to being a nerd. And it's such an integral part to fandoms because I going back to one of the first fandoms, Star Trek, that was how people in the Star Trek fandom were able to get together and celebrate the thing that they loved was through holding these conventions and so it's such a conventions is such an integral part to being a nerd that i don't see that going away forever but it's something that i think was very overstimulating to people to begin with and now that people aren't used to being around other people it's going to be extremely overstimulating to a lot of people when it gets to that point where we're allowed to do at least something similar to that again. Yeah,
2: and I, and I, I can imagine there's going to be a degree of, like, people may know that everyone's in this together. Like, we've all been, you know, pretty isolated compared to our normal lives, but I think there's also a piece of yeah, it's going to be very overstimulated, like such a sensory overload to be in such a large crowd with so many people and so many things going on. And, you know, I I almost think that that's something that should be considered is like how, when we get to that point, how do we prepare ourselves for it? Because I can imagine a lot of people are going to get there, they're going to be looking forward to it, and then it's going to be very overwhelming for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I
1: I don't think um, we have really um absorbed what a year without that type of social interaction could do to a person mm-hmm. um not saying that's going to be like that forever but initially that can be a very like overwhelming feeling especially if you're the type of person who prior to the pandemic even attending those uh, conventions would get overwhelmed in the moment
0: mm-hmm. so i'm
1: wondering if you know as the therapists in the rooms if either of you have some type of um suggestions or ways to kind of self um, self soothe or self or just be more aware of yourself I guess if a person chooses to do start doing these activities again or like reintroduce themselves to to social social abilities and in-person experiences
0: Well, I know like like I said earlier um, I had to step away when I was feeling overwhelmed and so and I did some some deep breathing exercises and there's a million ways you can do deep breathing. Like for as many therapists, every therapist has their own deep breathing (laughs) exercise. Mm -hmm. And so the one that I like and the one that I teach to my clients is very similar to the one that I learned like taking a yoga class. Um, And that is to use your hand to measure. So you breathe in and your thumb goes up your finger. And then as you breathe out, your finger goes down your thumb. And then you repeat with all of your fingers, and so that's at least you know four deep breaths, mm-hmm. and then you can do that as needed. And so it's grounding because not only is it the deep soothing breaths, but you're also using your other senses like your sense of touch, and that can help really control and monitor your breaths, uh, which breathing is linked to your heart rate. So. If you're feeling overwhelmed, overstimulated, and your heart starts pumping really fast, one of the things you want to do is lower your breathing to help lower your heart rate.
2: Yeah. And I, I think that's such a, a great way of putting it because I, I feel like I love the idea of it being very like tangible. Like you have a physical thing you're able to do. I think there's a piece of mindfulness with that as well, because you're like experiencing like your hand moving and the sensations. Um, And and I could see how for people that would be so wonderful to be able to have that pause and take that moment, recenter, bring their system back to a calm. Um, And and one thing that I think would also be helpful kind of jumping off of that is like, doing the things that you know you need to do, if it means breathing, it means sitting down, um, you know, whatever things that you find calming. But I think the piece that so oftentimes people have a hard time with is noticing when they need it. A lot of times it's like, we're already at like a 10 out of 10 feeling very heightened. And then we're like, oh, I need to calm down. And it's really hard to catch that. So, you know, one thing that I, I think would also be helpful is like kind of knowing knowing your signs that you're starting to get a little heightened, being able to catch it a little bit ahead of time. So it's not like 10 out of 10, we can't breathe. We're, we're really having a hard time. Maybe we catch it at like a five and we're like, oh, I'm going to try it. I'm going to do the breathing now. So I think it's having your coping skills, knowing what you need and knowing when to use them before it's like, feeling too late
0: that's very true too and maybe even looking up the venue beforehand and having areas that you know would be more peaceful like off to the side or even knowing a place that you can walk to across the street or just going back to your car like knowing a place in your head that you can go to that's a little bit quieter even if it's just the bathroom although the bathrooms can get pretty hectic sometimes Um, but you can always walk back to the car or just like the parking area and just taking a moment for yourself. There's normally eating areas that you can go to. A lot of conventions are, they have like restaurants that are pretty close by. So walking to a place that is a little bit more isolated is also just really good to just remove yourself from the situation and then if you know this about yourself that you're that you would get very overstimulated picking a smaller convention to start with like doing your research and not going immediately to anime expo or to san diego comic con cuz those are both huge and there's a lot of people but there's a lot of smaller conventions that happen in communities like i I really love the Long Beach Comic Con and Comic Expo because it's a it's a small convention. There's And it's mostly like local artists and there's a lot of indie people that are there. So you get to see like local artists and what they're doing. And there doesn't tend to be quite as many people. So making sure that you're starting off with something a little bit more in your wheelhouse to get yourself more adjusted to that. And then after that, after you have that experience, it can be a little bit easier to move to those bigger conventions.
2: Yeah, no, I think that's an excellent point of like start small, like know where you're at. You know, I I think even just when things start reopening again in a a bigger scale when there is bigger events going on is start small, start going to small things, like reacclimate yourself to these kinds of things because yeah, there there is a piece that can be said in just like day-to-day interactions. Like if the, the bulk of our going out and seeing people has either been through, you know, for those who are working in person or maybe like going to the grocery store. I know we're not doing much outside of that right now. Um, I, I think it can be really overwhelming to even go to the small conventions potentially. And I, I think it's about knowing, knowing your limits and the other piece of being okay if you do get there and you get pretty heightened and you start feeling uncomfortable because it's, it's, what used to be normal can feel abnormal now because it's just been out of our lives for so long.
1: Yeah, and I think that's really important to know To what you said is really important too, is just the awareness of giving yourself the permission to take your time to reacclimate yeah. to these social situations. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of us, especially because we have not been getting a lot of time with our friends and loved ones, are very excited and adamant about, oh, okay, we're gonna make all these plans, we're gonna do all these things. and And that's really great, but also, not becoming overwhelmed with maybe too many people asking you to go to certain places or feeling pressured to say yes, taking care of yourself first is always going to be the best
0: thing you can do. Yeah, you bring up a good point, Abby, is I, I worry, I see all these posts online of like, oh, I regret ever turning down a, a hanging out with my friends. I'm never going to do that again. And I'm, it worries me because it's, You're going to have times where you don't want to or where you're too tired and you need to be sure to give yourself that permission to not do those things. And it's okay to not go to an event if you're not feeling up for it. And we gotta make sure that that is still acceptable to yourself and to other people. Because I do feel like a lot of people that are like, jumping at the bit to get to hang out with people. Some people are going to jump back into it and they're going to be fine. Like they're not going to have any problems with spending as much time socially as they possibly can. Mm-hmm. But that's not going to be everyone. And we have to respect that it's going to take a little bit of time for people to get reacclimated.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. And I, I think there's going to be that piece of in it and you know like I'd be curious to see how this goes but I think there's going to be a piece of social obligation that starts occurring once we are seeing each other again because it's like I haven't seen you in a year what you don't want to spend time with me and there may be a little bit of social pressuring and like an influx of a lot of people agreeing to things they don't want to do because it's like well I don't want to look like a jerk who doesn't want to spend time with you when I haven't seen you in like a year or whatever it may be and I, I could see a lot of people shifting their boundaries because of that
1: I think what you said, Cassie, is really true. Is that like there? There's almost like this sense of guilt that a lot of people have been feeling about taking for granted these uh, opportunities to see people and to do things that you know originally maybe they didn't necessarily want to do in the moment. And I think it's important, maybe you know, as we're progressing with um, with the vaccine and returning to hopefully how it was prior to the pandemic, this is a good time for everyone to really reflect on themselves and say like who am i as a person how much social ability do i need how much can i handle and making sure that those limits are those boundaries are not pushed like you said katie if if you don't feel like you want to you know if it's external forces that are pushing
2: it out yeah and i I can imagine for like like in talking about conventions I, i think that's obviously not something that is like a spur of the moment decision a lot of times to go to one of those it is planned There may be travel involved there. It's it's a very thought out process for a lot of people. And they may not be the same qualities that you see in like a smaller get together with friends. And I I think there's a lot of mindfulness around intentionality in things because there may be way more intentionality to go to a convention than there may be to go to a social, like a small social setting.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, going to a convention is, it's not cheap, Uh, especially if you're coming from If you're living in a space that doesn't maybe have a lot of conventions, then you're doing a lot of traveling to get to, say, San Diego for Comic-Con or to L.A. for Anime Expo. Those are just two ones that keep popping in my head. Uh, But so there's there's a lot of money that goes into it. So I do worry that people are going to be like, well, I spent hundreds of dollars, maybe even a thousand dollars for travel and for to make. For the hotel. Like, I can't waste any time. I have to do this. And they're pushing themselves beyond what their actual limit is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that's something that I worry about. So the, the things that should be taken into consideration, again, go with making sure that you're, you're doing what is right for yourself in the moment. And there's a little bit of research that can be done about things like what days are the slowest days of a convention like Saturday at a convention, yeah, that is the busiest day. Mm -hmm. Fridays tend to be fairly busy, but it doesn't tend to be as much. And then if it's like a three-day Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Sunday tends to be the the lowest amount. So making sure that like, hey, I can't handle too much. So I'm going to do the smaller convention and only for one day, and it's going to be the Sunday. Making sure that you're only picking what is right for you and like making sure that you're not over-investing in it so that you're not feeling as guilty for not going for the whole time, especially if it's something that you've been, because like I said, it's a lot of money. It is. Yeah. And and
2: I can see how guilt could be a big motivator with this one where it could really influence how people decide to do things and what they do. And, you know, I think it's, I think it's really good that we're talking about this right now, because I think people are going to need time to think about this stuff. They're going to need time to decide what they want and, and really start making those preparations. And I I recognize that there is not a date we can give you. We don't know when things are going to be transitioning back. We don't know at this point, there's still some stuff up in the air, but it's the idea about, figuring out what you need and, and knowing how to prepare for that. And if it means like going on the little bit slower days so that you, you don't feel as overwhelmed. And I, I think that's ultimately kind of the core of what we're talking about is like knowing your needs and finding ways to make sure that your your actions are in line with what you really want.
1: I think it's, uh, it could be diff- difficult sometimes to build that self-confidence and that self-awareness of, of where those boundaries are, especially if you're the type of person who tends to kind of give in to other people's needs first, or if you feel like you take, too ma- you take too much or you take up too much space, which I hear a lot from my clients. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe sometimes it's even just like this envisionment of, uh, we're planning to go to this convention, but knowing myself and, and knowing how I feel right now, how would I feel if, uh, if I got separated from my friends? How would I feel if um, we had to stay the whole day and I wasn't able to leave, like I rode with someone else? Mm-hmm. Kind of just mm-hmm. asking these questions and kind of identifying for yourself Your genuine, true answers to to how you feel um, can bring a lot of awareness, I think, to prior to even getting to that place. Like you said, uh, Katie, earlier, like you don't want to get to like a 10, a level 10. And then, oh, no, like I'm overwhelmed now. So doing a lot of this preemptive work will probably not only save you money because you'll realize, oh, maybe three days is not a good idea, but also kind of for you to understand who you where you are. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean that you'll never be able to go to a three day convention or you never be able to handle all of these things, but take it in stride. You know, I I feel like there's a lot of pressure. You know, there's a lot of this external pressure of like when the pandemic ends, where are we going to be? What are we going to do? What are you going to do with your time? I, I, I know it's easier said than done, but that's definitely something that we need to let go of. And that's something we need to make it socially acceptable for people to take their time to regulate back to normalcy
2: Yeah. And I, I, it's interesting because I think even prior to current times I think there was a push for people to, to overextend or to do things they're not comfortable with and I I think it's hard because like with the example of say like figuring out like if you're comfortable going to the three days or if you just want to go to one day for a specific convention and what if your friends want to go to three days chances are you might go to three days even if it's not really what you want um, and I think so much of it could also be finding small ways just to take those steps. Cause I can imagine a lot of people are gonna be like, well, I don't wanna tell them, I only wanna go one day. I don't want to be like the stick in the mud on this situation who's not willing to do that. And it's about, you know, one finding your comfort zone with this stuff. And I, I think, like I said this, I think this was a pre-current times kind of conversation where we know what we want, but we, we can be afraid to say it sometimes too.
0: I think it's important to start having these conversations early so that we can get people prepared because i i think there's going to be a huge push once things start going back to normal Mm -hmm. and normal's not going to look normal for a long time i don't think at least i think there's still going to be even when we start seeing conventions i I think there's going to be some stuff put in place because conventions are a breeding ground (laughs) for diseases. Like I know I was so sad. I want to say it was the last WonderCon I went to. I couldn't go to the last day because I, I got really sick. I felt fine going into the convention. And then the second day I started was like, wait, I have this sore throat and it's kind of not going away. What's going on? And then the next day I was out and I just could not for the life of me get back into, get back up to go to the con. And I was like devastated because I had spent all year looking forward to it. But it's, those are the kinds of things that you're going to have to keep in mind is just con sickness is a thing. But I, you
2: know, it's funny though, because I think you bring up a really good point that a lot of people I think think about, but may not think about is that piece of like the unexpected. Like we, we talk about like prepare yourself and like plan for what you want and all this, but it's like stuff just happens that you did not expect and you can't have prepared for it. Like, I'm sure you were not like, I'm going to get sick on the second (laughs) day and this is how I'm going to deal with it. Like, no, it happens. And I, I think that's the other piece that people in a sense can prepare for is the things they can't prepare for and being okay when things don't go as planned and the unexpected and there's maybe disappointments or things that they have to readjust to because I think that's another point where a lot of people become heightened to a point where they can't cope anymore and it's overwhelming because they had maybe if they've been planning all year for this and it doesn't go as planned that's that's a big disappointment
0: it could be devastating really it really can be I mean I know I was like so devastated that I wasn't able to go uh yeah it 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 sucks it does suck when that happens and just trying to be trying to be okay with that
1: and yeah it's completely valid to be disappointed especially like you said it's something that you were looking forward to all year um but I think it's important to know too like that's not something you wished upon yourself that's not something that you made happen it just things happen sometimes and we don't have explanations for it, so not to shoulder some of some of that guilt or responsibility of either wasting money or missing out on something or whatever it might be.
0: So in the meantime, I, I want to say I've seen some conventions do some online stuff. I personally haven't done any uh, nerdy conventions online. I have done a therapy conference online, which I thought was, I thought they did a pretty good job they took this criticism with stride because it was a lot of back to back to back to back stuff so there wasn't a whole lot of room for breaks which i would have appreciated a little bit more of uh what are you guys' thoughts on online conventions I, i
2: think that's a it's a very interesting concept i mean it's very relevant to our times i i can see there being a lot of like unique opportunities that come from it and a lot of things that are very Different and that may be hard to translate into that kind of an environment.
0: I know one of my favorite things to do is to look at um, fan art and like the the artist alleys. So I I don't know how that translates over to a virtual conference. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And then, like, a a potential uh, opportunity that comes from it is maybe a lot of people who couldn't afford to travel that, like, the expense piece now have the ability to attend still.
1: I think there are a lot of benefits to doing an online convention or anything online because i know a lot of these in you know like i've seen virtual concerts virtual conventions virtual mm-hmm. everything basically has has gone online and digital and and maybe you know that's where we were heading anyways like in regards to uh, 21st century technology and everything but as katie said i think there are a lot of things that won't be able to be translated um a lot of things need to be felt smelled heard you know with your senses as opposed to just seeing it through a screen however there are a lot of benefits i think to to online including some of what we were talking about earlier in regards to maybe that's a a less uh, overwhelming or super stimulating experience and that could be a way that a lot of people who regularly could not
2: do that would be able to do it yeah yeah because it definitely could create a space where like if somebody needs to step away they can definitely do that. They can take their space for themselves. They can take the time, they can um, a t- attend a little bit more on their terms. And I, I think there can be a, a, a really an opportunity for people to kind of test run it a little bit, like test run saying, okay, I need to take a break. This is an easy place where I can do that um, and, and really be able to explore what they're needing. Well, I, I wonder with these online conventions because I know some of what we had talked about before was the social piece too right like meeting your maybe your friends you've known online only and finally seeing them in person or being able to have other connections and I wonder how that piece will show up in these these virtual conventions the ability to make the interpersonal connections
0: yeah I'm I'm not sure because a lot of a lot of nerdy people make online friends and are able to connect virtually so I I'm not sure how much it impacts having it be virtual versus in person. Any thoughts, Abby?
1: I'm just thinking about in in regards to social ability, maybe not just because, you know, we already have been implementing for a really long time, like chat rooms and online Mm -hmm. gaming and, you know, a lot of this type of like social ability online. So maybe not necessarily that aspect of it, but I definitely, you know, when we talk about, like you mentioned, Cassidy, for example, people who do cosplay together. Yeah, you know, you won't be able to take pictures with that person or you won't be able to to meet perhaps, like, famous people or people that you've been, like, wanting to meet. Uh, I don't know if that would... Maybe it could happen online, perhaps, but it would definitely be altered a lot.
0: It'd be a lot harder to get signatures online. Yeah. <laughs> you get an IOU on the signatures there. <laughs> I mean, I guess you could have it be, like, you know, the the person like signs something and then they send it out to whoever. So it's not impossible. It's just a lot different cuz I know there's a lot of people that will like bring their comics or something that they want to get signed. And I mean there's a I haven't done too much of like standing in line waiting for signatures, but I know that's a big portion of cons for a lot of people is standing in the signature lines with their Buffy box set, waiting for like the last uh, big star in the show's signature for their box set. Like that's a big thing for some people. Yeah,
2: and I, I think it's it's going to be different. I think is really the core we're getting at is there's some pieces you can bring in, some that are going to be different, and you know the anticipation is that one day those will be resuming in person. There there will be some some form of the convention, whatever they decide to do, you know, however however that actually shapes up to be done. But ultimately, it's about staying connected still. And I I think that these are still a wonderful opportunity for people who have enjoyed these and and really found this to be a place where they can find people and, uh, and, you know, have that common interest to stay connected, even if it's in a little bit of an unusual time right now.
0: Thank you for listening to Therapy for Nerds. If you liked this episode, Hit that like button, subscribe, comment, and check out the links to our social medias where you'll be sure to get all of the latest Therapy for Nerds information. And be kind to yourselves this week.